Hey, Binge fans, back it up here, joined by Coach Ruby for our final episode of the 2022-2023 NFL season. Coach, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Coach. Good to be back, and I'm um, looking forward to diving into this Super Bowl. Me too, me too. So we have a couple things to cover today. First, let's review the picks, see how the final tally came out, then talk about the big game. So Super Bowl 57 is going to be the review that we do in a second, but we have a lot of picks and a lot of extra items that we did off of that game. Before I dive in, I want to re remind our viewers to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, get the word out and help the channel, help me and Ruby out here. Yeah. Okay, so let's get this episode going. Last week, all of our picks we featured on the binge were correct. We all picked the Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs. You picked the Chiefs. The two guests did Lamb and Baker Bobby. So me and you finished in a tie. We both went 9-4. and four. It's a 692 winning percentage. The five guest pickers that we had on, led by Bob the Barber's 4-0 record, finished 8-2, which is an 800 winning percentage. So we lost, okay? We lost, which is sort of tragic. But most importantly, yeah. at least we could hang our hat on my black chip lock of 4-0, finished perfect, undefeated 4-0, not bad. Any any feelings, comments you want to share on the picks? Well, uh, first thing is congratulations on your uh, black chip locks. Thanks. Uh, going undefeated is very impressive. We'll see how, how much you can keep it up uh, going forward next season. Um, and I also want to apologize to the fans out there because we're supposed to be professional pickers over here. And we had a bunch of rookie guys come in and, uh, you know, outpick us. But I will say very respectable our record was for our picks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, they got lucky, I think, in, in, you know, just like you said. <laughs> I agree. All right. So before we move into the game and the comments on the Super Bowl, Last episode, we had a, a really fun episode where we had a bunch of categories. We had 13 categories that we picked from. And you laid a challenge at the end of that episode where the loser had to buy the winner a cinnamon cake from Baker Bobby's shop, Villa Italia Bakery. So let me pull those categories up. Let's see who won the cake. Okay, sound good? Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not a foreshadowing there anybody, no. anybody so just uh, let's see let's pull this up okay so this was termed by you the cake bowl because we both finished nine and four and you put that challenge out there with the cinnamon cake so let's go through these 13 categories that we had okay so first one was heads or tails we joked about this you picked tails i picked heads and as usual my picking heads cost me, right? You are always picking tails in our strat games, and you're always winning. So for me, and we know that heads is hot was hot the last three or four Super Bowls, but you took this one right out of the gate. From now on, I'm always going tails on our strat games. Any any type of coin toss we have, I'm always going to go tails now because to you and and to everybody out there, Ruby always says tails never fails, and he never does with tails. So. <laughs> Yeah. You went early on 1 and 0. I was not happy about that, okay? <laughs> so the next category was um the Kelsey brothers, Travis playing against Jason and the category was would Travis have more receiving yards than Jason played snaps during the game? I went with Travis having more receiving yards. You took Jason with the snaps and Yeah. 
getting a little worried during the game because of that first half ball control by the Eagles. And it was a lot closer than, than I had figured it would be 81 to 72. So I took that category. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised about that because at first I thought Travis was going to blow it away, and then when he slowed down in the game, I thought it might have a chance. But uh, I really I was really surprised there was only a difference of nine there. Same. <clears throat> okay, so we had picked whether or not the Chiefs would exceed a hundred and a half yards rushing. You took the under, I took the over. I had mentioned in the episode that I thought they would have to run in order to stay competitive in this game and, and keep Hertz off the field. You picked the under. They were over. They had 158 yards rushing. Yeah, bad call on my part. <laughs> this is the one we sort of joked about heading in. You would we, we had talked about how low his receiving yards had to be in this category. Yeah. 16 and a half yards. And with him and the way he runs, you would have figured they would have flared him out of the backfield for a couple of catches and easily gotten over. 16 and a half yards. We both picked the over. He didn't have one. He had no catches, no yards. Yeah. We we're totally off on that one. Yeah, it was that was a big uh, misguess on our part. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, passing TDs over under one and a half. We both took the over. He had one passing TD, three rushing TDs, but we were wrong on this one. Yeah. Surprised about that one, too. I was, too. Yeah. Here's another one that we talked about. We figured, at least I had mentioned, I would have figured that each of the quarterbacks combined would have combined for over one and a half interceptions. We both took the over. Neither quarterback threw an interception, so they had a pretty clean game from that point. We know that Hurts did have that one fumble, but no interceptions. Yeah, now a very clean uh, passing game in this one. Chris Jones. We talked about him, how much of an enforcer he is on that Chiefs D. We both thought that he would have at least one sack in the game. So we both went, yes, he'll have a sack, no sacks, held yeah. sackless. All right, moving on here. Mahomes named MVP. We both said, yes, he was going to be named the MVP. Will there be a two? Will there be a two point conversion attempted? Yes. Yeah, you you called this one, and I remember during the game when the eagle when the Chiefs were driving, and, and you could see where they were setting up to go up eight. I said, "Here they go. They're going to set it up for you to get your two point conversion." And and it was right. They they went for it. They got it. They got the attempt, and you got the category there. Total points fifty one over under. We both took the over. We both won that category. They had seventy three. Total touchdowns by the Chiefs over under two and a half. We took the over. They had five TDs. We both got the green there. Nice. Eagles total points over under 26 and a half. I thought the score was going to be 31-28, so I took the over. I was surprised when you took the under on this one, 26 and a half. They scored 35, so I won this category. You lost this category. And lastly, will the team that scores last win the game – you you pick no. Again, this is a tricky category when you really think about it. Just because you score last doesn't mean you're going to win the game. I said yes. Chiefs win with the last score, um, and they did with Butker's field goal. So let's see who the winner is. We had a bunch of red and green categories here. There's the cinnamon cake for Bobby. Let's see the records here. So I went seven and six. Not bad. You went five and eight. So 
really a difference of a category, right? That's basically what it is. Pretty much, yeah. And I took the cake, literally. Ah, I did enjoy man. that delivery. I did enjoy it with breakfast. So thank you. That was that was a lot of fun, that category, you know, the, the picking of the categories. We got to do that again some other yeah, time. Definitely. Okay, so main topic today, Super Bowl, quick recap. Then I want to hear what your thoughts are on the game. As we know, the Chiefs won, won a thriller, 38-35. Eagles dominated that first half, time of possession, score 24-10. to Heading into the locker room, we saw Mahomes tweak his ankle. He looked like he was thriving in pain <laughs> heading into the locker room into halftime. With him hobbling, I really thought it was going to be tough for them to overcome that that deficit, but he had the benefit of a longer halftime show. But again, watching him on the sidelines, I doubted that he that the Chiefs were going to be able to come back on this one. I think everybody else probably did as well, except for one person, you, <laughs> right? You sent me a couple of text messages heading into halftime and during halftime. So first... Right after Mahomes hurt his ankle, you sent me a quote through text, and I quote you, you said that if Henny comes in, I'm turning it off. He <laughs> <laughs> must have heard you too because you retired right after the game. Then on yeah, a more serious <laughs> note, you sent me a text that said he will play the he will play though, referring to Mahomes. He threw for over 300 yards on a bum ankle. No worries for Mahomes. Chief will win this game. I'm calling it now. And I was hoping you were right. Pit boss, I, I told Pit boss that you thought that she thought you were a little crazy for saying that, <laughs> but we know how it turned out, right? You called yeah. it Chiefs won. So give me your thoughts on the game, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Let's channel a little Clint Eastwood here. Give me your overview, your thoughts on the game, then give me your good, bad, and ugly on the game. Yeah, this was uh, this was one of the classic uh, Super Bowl games. Um, you know, came down to the end of the game. Both teams were uh, the number one team in the conference, so I think everybody was looking forward to that. Both teams were really healthy coming in, um, which was a good sign for the game itself. And, uh, you know, for me, it was a tale of two halves. The uh, Eagles dominating the first half and the uh, the Chiefs uh, not so much dominating the second half, but the Chiefs needed a perfect game in the second half, and I feel they pretty much yeah. played that perfect game. That's a good point. Um, you know, uh, towards the end of the first half, Mahomes' ankle got rolled up on again, and uh, he got hurt pretty bad. Um, you could see it was bugging him again, and the the big question, like you mentioned before, was you know is he going to be able to play? And and for me, it was kind of an easy call because you kind of seen this from Mahomes throughout his career, especially in big spots, and pretty much any time he gets kind of injured on the on the uh, field. Um, I mean, the guy is very resilient. You know, his body's still young enough that he's healing pretty quickly. That extra time uh, in between games helped him heal up. And, uh, you know, in the second half, he comes out. First drive of the second half, they go 75 yards and score a touchdown. <laughs> he has a 14-yard run on that drive. And, you know, as soon as I saw that, I go, this is this is going to be good. This is going to be really good for second half. Right. Um, Eagles, you know, they just uh, they couldn't keep pace with the Chiefs in the second half. And uh, as close as they were, you know, keeping it, you can just feel it. It was slipping away from the Eagles. And, yeah. uh you know, with with that being said, I'll go into the uh, the good, bad, and the ugly because it all showed up in the uh, second right. half for me. the uh, The good part of it was the uh, the Kansas City O line. I mean, they they showed up to play. Um, they had a really balanced attack on offense, and a lot of that is credit to that offensive line. Um, didn't allow a sack. 
allowed them to rush the ball pretty well, you know, uh, especially against that defensive front of the Eagles, uh, 158 yards rushing total. Mahomes had 182 yards passing. You know, to me, you couldn't ask for a more balanced game from the offense. And uh, the bad part of it for me was the uh, the Eagles' defensive line. You know, this team came in with not just uh, leading the league in sacks this year, but leading, you know, being number three all time in sacks in a season, which That's is pretty point. impressive considering right. some of the defenses that you and I have witnessed over the years. And they couldn't get to Mahomes at all. You know, they allowed those uh, – the the rushing plays. They allowed two of the most wide open touchdowns I've ever seen, you know, one to the right side to Tony, one to the left side with uh, Sky Moore. And, uh, you know, on top of it, uh, I don't really want to call it bad, but, you know, the special teams of the Eagles as well, you know, they weren't really out there that much because they were scoring touchdowns most of the time, but they gave up the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, which set up, you know, one of those wide open touchdowns. And uh, for me, that was just, you know, the biggest spot of the year for that defense to show what they're made of. And uh, I feel like they really didn't show up at all, um, especially the defensive line for that. And then, of course, at the end of the game, you know, the defensive penalty is pretty much what sealed the deal for the Chiefs to take the win. Um, yeah. And then for me, the ugly part of this game was the uh, the football field um, from the <laughs> yeah. first quarter from the first quarter on, you know, you saw players switching cleats. Yeah, they pointed it out on TV. You saw Hertz uh, taking a snap in one pair of cleats, and then a couple of plays later, he had a different pair to get a uh, you know better traction during uh, during any of the plays where uh, it seemed like anybody who was on the painted part of the field that seemed to be the real big issue. That's where you saw a lot of the slipping, and even uh, a couple times after a touchdown when someone scored, they tried yeah. doing their little dance and they were slipping with the dance too, which uh, blew my mind. You know, considering this was the you know, biggest game of the year in the Super Bowl. And I heard that they spent $800,000 over That's the last right. couple of years preparing the field. And uh, for it to show up like that, it just, it, it wasn't a good, uh, it wasn't a good sign from the NFL. I hope they do better the next Super Bowl and uh, keep that field uh, in, in good working condition. Um, yeah, those those they, are great points. I mean, the field, to your point, two years to make over $800,000 and, and, sure. and just no traction. I want to ask you a question on one of your points, mm -hmm. because it's funny you brought that up. I was thinking about it today. Mahomes, you watched him through these playoffs, right? He gets hurt, comes back, gets a high ankle sprain. A week later, he comes back. He looks like the worst amount of pain a human being could be in going into the half. <laughs> and I'll show you a, a, a clip later why I think he's like one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks right now. We had that discussion. I think he's the best right now. Yeah. Do, do you think some of that is acting? Do you think that some of it's like, oh, man, I'm going to look so – they're going to think that I'm hurt. I'm going to not be 100%, which they already know he's not 100%. But do you think yeah. some of that's acting? You know, I <laughs> – I'd like to think that is not. I really do. But it, if you were asking me this question, I, I'm going to have to say maybe a little bit. There's got to be. Uh, a, little, a little showmanship. Um, right. Because it does a couple things. The first thing it does is it, it's a chance. You know, if you look at this logically, which pretending to be hurt really isn't logical, right? But right. if you do look at the mindset of a quarterback in the NFL and – 
with Mahomes being one of the smarter quarterbacks in the NFL and not only from his play, but from his field awareness, all that stuff, you know, he takes chances, he makes mistakes here and there, but he's a very smart player. That was a great opportunity, regardless of what happens, a great opportunity. If he is hurt, kind of get his team rah-rah behind him, build up. Come on, guys, I'm going out there. We all can do this. We can get out there, you know, and just do it like that. And then the other side of it too is, you know, messing with your opponent a little bit. If the Eagles think for one second that maybe he's going to hang out behind the line, you know, a little bit longer because he doesn't really want to run on that ankle, they might play a little bit differently. They might not pay attention to him so much, which the first drive of the second half, you know, he busted out a huge uh, 14-yard run, and and then at the end of the game, he had a big run. And, you know, I don't know if that's more because the Eagles were not paying attention so much to him or if it's just what he was doing, but – uh, you know, I'd like to think it's not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Let's put I mean, it he couldn't he couldn't sit on the bench right after that play before he went into yeah. halftime. And then you, to your point, he comes out, he rips off the run, he rips off yeah. that long drive, and it's like it never happened. I, and the, the the other thing too is when uh, in the playoff game when he hurt his ankle, you know, he came back. He was out for I believe a drive or two. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> he came back in and he had about six inches of tape on that ankle. And in this Super Bowl, he definitely didn't have any extra tape or anything notable on his ankle after he came back out either. So, you know. It was interesting. So, for me, this four points for me was the difference here. First, you mentioned it was coaching. We knew Reed, Spagnola, and Biennemi stacked up better against the the staff of the Eagles. And you always hear about halftime adjustments. Yeah, I was always a big believer that that happened. If if you watch some quarterbacks now, like Peyton Manning said, there's no such thing as halftime adjustments. But I, I got to tell you, as a Dolphins fan, I always knew when Miami went in at halftime down with Shula as a quarter as the coach, yeah, there would be halftime adjustments. And it looks like, to your point, tell it two halves. That has to do with some form of adjustments that they made. So that was my first point. The coaching they got the Eagles got out coached. Yeah, definitely. Number two is the Chiefs' running game. I picked the over. You know, they had a great, great running game. I mentioned that I thought they would have to do that to keep the Eagles D off off balance. We knew that the Eagles D coming into the game had that great pass rush, but yep. a 16th ranked defense against the run. And that's what they did. They ran 26 carries, 158 yards, 6.1 yard average per carry, 0.2 Chiefs running game. Yep. Building on a little bit what you said about the about the offensive line, we knew coming in they had to protect Mahomes. He's injured. The the Eagles D led the league in sacks, number one this year. They had to keep Mahomes upright. They had to keep him. Maybe he got pressured, but give him enough room, and we'll see that in a second to escape that. Don't get hit. And what did they do? They gave up no sacks. Yeah. Right. That's point that three. Good. And lastly, I mean it's. It's it's Mahomes, right? We know that everything starts with the quarterback in football. It's sort of like the pitcher in baseball. I, I we've debated this again. I still would take him with the number one pick if I had to build a team right now because I think he's the best quarterback in the league. I think people need to settle down a bit, calling him the greatest ever. He's only twenty seven. Yeah. I know what he's done with all the championships, <laughs> the Super Bowls, dot dot dot. But he's yeah. got a few more snaps to get through to get to get closer to. To Brady as being the all-time greatest player. He had a good statistical game overall. Like you mentioned, he only had under 200 yards passing. He was 21 for 27, 182 yards. Three TDs, though. So he made the most of his opportunities when he had the ball. He had a rating of 131, 132 roughly overall for the game. But 
to your point, he had to have a perfect game in the second half, right? So he comes mm-hmm. out, he goes 13 of 14, 126 yards, four straight scoring drives, and 134 passer rating in the second half. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. So yeah. I want to share, you mentioned the initial run. I want to show another run that he did that, to me, really puts him in a separate class from a lot of these different players and and uh, other quarterbacks in the league. So I'm going to share one play with you, okay? Nice. Okay, so let me set this up, right? It's 35-35, tied score, late in the game, just under three minutes left. Chiefs are driving. You see they're on the Eagles' 43-yard line. He's in shotgun. He's five yards deep right now. Now, keep in mind what we just talked about. He's going into the half halftime. And he's thriving in pain, right? So this is late in the game. How many more plays has he put on that ankle? Okay, let's roll this a little bit here, and then I'll stop it. Okay, so he takes a snap, he drops back, and he plants. So he's another five yards deep. So he's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. You see the pocket that the offensive line's forming here. He's got a nice line up the middle there for him to get through, right? So they're protecting him really well. And he's feeling the pressure and going to flush him out of the pocket. So he flushes out of the pocket and he runs, right? Just takes off. Unreal. <laughs> Look at the way he gets up. He looks like he hurt his back there, right? So yeah, let's, yeah. let's stop it for a second. To me, he rips off a 26-yard run. That's the longest of the season for him, his fifth longest of his career. This, yeah, to unreal. me, defines him and def- puts him like some other athletes that we watch in a different stratosphere so to speak right because big players make big plays at big times right so it sort of reminds me when i saw this play and was thinking about it was the jeter play in the world series or it was the playoffs against the a's yeah where the guy's running home out of nowhere the outfielder throws it and jeter had enough sense to run that down knowing it wasn't going to hit the catcher or would would hit him on some slow bounces grab it and flip it and there was the out. And that's exactly what he did here. I mean, he just stepped up. Let's watch it one more time. Plants, flush, boom, 26 yards. Look at a divot on the field. Yeah, I saw Look that. Look at a divot on the field there. I mean, that's how hard he hit the ground, right, when that guy yeah. caught him. And that guy, 43, the linebacker, that guy's 6'2", 234. And he was just, he was just running him down from behind. That's a linebacker. His last name is uh, White. So... Just yeah. a great play by Mahomes. So, again, he's my fourth point on why they won this game because he just kept with it. He he played through the pain, and he just made a big play when they needed it. All right. Yeah. As we know, though, as we know, that play eventually led to them getting the winning score on that drive, right? But it yeah. was not without controversy. Yeah. So, on that play – on that series, I should say, they had the holding call. Do you want to talk about that? Give me some thoughts on that, what you thought? Because I have a little bit of a still image I'll bring up after your comments to show you. I'll give you my opinion on Because it sort of dovetails into one of the conversations we had a couple episodes ago. And we had a, a, a binge bite number six where where I sort of clipped that and talked about if it's a, if it's a penalty in the first quarter, it should be in the last quarter. So I'm just curious yeah. about your thoughts on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'll go through the whole thing. So basically, <clears throat> when I first saw it, you know, I saw the ball was overthrown and it's overthrown pretty decent. You know, it looks right. to be about three or four yards to me. Um, and then when it happened, you know, as soon as I saw that, just because 
you know, I don't want to give away my age, but I've been watching football for a while. And I know, especially when there's a good team with a good quarterback who, you know, understands where his receivers are going to be. When you see an overthrow like that, the first thing I think is some kind of holding something held him up or he slipped something like that. Just the timing's off. And especially with someone like Mahomes, you kind of expect him to put that ball where it needs to be all the time. Then, you know, a split second later, they cut to Mahomes and you see him pointing. And then that's when they start talking about the field and everything. So I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, Immediately, the announcer Olsen starts like, oh, you you know, you can't make that call, this and that. And then the the referee, Mike Pereira, I believe his name is, he came in and he said, no, you know, if you watch him from the beginning, you'll kind of see him. He holds up, holds up on the jersey. Then he kind of, I think the definition is they call it Chuck. You know, when he kind of impedes his uh, progress and he kind of does it again the second time. But the second Chuck was really just, you know, kind of just looked like his hand was on the thing on his jersey. And um, my whole thing is, you know, a lot of it's player awareness, too. You know, that's the biggest spot you're going to be in that season in that moment. You know, if you if you got to hold the guy and you're preventing a touchdown, good on you. You did whatever you could to prevent a touchdown. When you grab that jersey and it doesn't really seem to impede him that much, it's, you know, you wonder if he really had to do that. And then he just kind of had his, he had his arm on him. And if any uh, referee's worth his weight, he sees that hand, you know, he already sees, you know, he already sees something going on there. So he's already inclined to throw the flag. Um, After watching it, more and more I watched it, I just go, you kind of have to call it. And then the thing that sealed it for me was uh, after the game, you know, they talked to Bradbury about it. Yeah. And uh, immediately he admitted to it. You know, he said, I grabbed them. I was hoping they wouldn't call it, and they did. So that kind of closed the door on it for me, and there definitely was more chatter about it to the, for the days following the uh, Super Bowl. But for me, it was pretty much uh, open and shut case once Bradbury admitted to it. And then uh, you and I were even going back and forth during the week, you know, discussing it. And uh, we had points going back and forth. But at the end of the day, like you said, if I, I think they would have called that call, you know, 10 plays in, and I think they should have called that call at the end of the game as well. Um, but also, you know, the outcome of that play, and uh, I just want to mention this too, because the outcome of the play where, you know, McKinnon, after that, they get the first down, and McKinnon is about to score, and he stops, and he uh, kneels before the uh, end zone, which is great field awareness. I, I love seeing that from players. Um, you can see the Eagles obviously wanted to let him score, so they had a chance to tie it up. But they kind of phoned it in a little too hard, and you could see Bradbury on the play as well. I mean, he might have been dejected from the penalty earlier, but they kind of there's a there's a couple Eagles players that just are literally walking, and if they were anywhere close to McKinnon, they could have easily pushed him out of bounds to stop the clock, which would have given him a little bit more of a chance at the end anyway. Um, but yeah, I. I, I thought it had to be called. I thought it was a good call. And uh, it's just a shame that it kind of, you know, it was the opposite of what that whole Super Bowl was about. To me, this was just like a heavyweight matchup, two offenses going back and forth. And then the last minute or so, just everything kind of slowed down and came down to these kind of technical, you know, thought out plays and, you know, thought out procedures on how to right. uh, better manage the clock and everything else. So, it, you know, it, it didn't make it a disappointment for me at the end. It just it, it was it was kind of awkward to go from such a fast paced game to just slowing it down and basically trying to run out the clock so the Eagles didn't have enough time to do anything, which is what happened. 
Yeah, so let me again. We have the we have the um, the luxury of having a still shot here, super slow motion. Let me pull up that holding call, and then I'll give you my opinion on it. Okay, so here, as I mentioned, a grainy picture. I took the video, I slowed it down, took a shot of the holding here. This is Bradbury holding Juju, who was running the same route as the prior two touchdown so he was coming in motion he planned he was going to run that v route to the back corner of the end zone bradbury tugs him here so here's the holding call and it's pretty obvious i mean look at that shirt being tugged out right yeah but then he did something else to your that you brought up as this play goes on three or four more steps he then puts his left hand on juju's hip on, yeah. on the side of them and sort of slowed them down a little bit. Now, to your point, when you look at that play from an end zone view behind Mahomes, it looks like it's overthrown a, a yard or two, right? It doesn't look like that much overthrown. When you do the side view of, of that play, it, it was overthrown by four or five yards. So who knows yeah. if Juju would have caught up on this. Yeah. I, I, I um Look, I <laughs> thought it was a – at first, a ticky-tack call. I agreed with Olsen. We were texting back and forth. But as I watched it and thought about it more and more this week, and with him saying, yeah, I did catch it. I mean, I did I did hold him. It is a foul. It is a penalty. They should have called it, and they did. So it was a good call. The only the, the interesting thing about this, and you mentioned it too, is when you watch the replay, as soon as the ball is thrown and it's an overthrow, Mahomes points, where's the flag? Basically, where's the flag, right? And you've pointed out in prior episodes that typically you'll see the receiver come up, even if he's just brush and say, where's the penalty? Where's the penalty, right? If you watch yeah. this play again, Juju doesn't do anything. No. So I don't know in his head if he thought that eh, wasn't really a, a penalty or not. Again, yeah. I, I think if it's a penalty in the beginning – of the game, it's a penalty at the end of the game. Okay. Yeah. Let me read you a text that I saw this week from Tony Dungy, right? So he's the Hall of Fame coach. Legend. Great coach. He was going back and forth all week with people on this play <laughs> on Twitter, right? So this is what he said. Yeah. He said, To all the people saying the refs shouldn't have called holding on the Eagles with 150 left, that's like saying they shouldn't have called the Chiefs D for being offsides on fourth and two. Penalties are penalties whenever they're committed. If you see yeah. it, you have to call it, even in a Super Bowl. So he sort of shares my thoughts as well. And, you know, that the Eagles' D could have stopped one of these drives in the game, and then it would have been a totally different game. So it doesn't come down to this one play. But I do yeah. have an interesting one to ask you here. Let's say that McKinnon didn't pull up, and he scored, and they go up seven. We know how the Eagles – and they probably would have had a little more time on the clock than like five to eight seconds at the end of the game. We know the Eagles were driving all day as well. What are your thoughts? Do you think that if they came down, drove the field, scored a touchdown, they're down one? You answered that you thought there would have been a two-point conversion, and you were right earlier in the game. Does Sirianni go for two and go for the Super Bowl? Or does he go for a Super Bowl win? Or does he go for one and play a conservative and try to push it into OT and take his luck from there. Well, just because, uh, you know, my Giants play him twice a year, I I'm going to say that he would have went for it, and it would have given me a lot more respect for him as a coach as well because, you know, 
that's the epitome of uh sticking to your game plan and doing what you do you know um he's going for two points a lot of the time he's he's relying on analytics for going for two points and you know we saw in the uh the giants playoff game when they were up 27 nothing him contemplating going for two um so i'd like to think that in the super bowl he would have enough uh cojones to you know go for the win and you know, we've talked about it before, you know, you do, um, you do this and you make it and you're one of the greatest ever and you do it and you miss it. And, you know, you're the goat and not the good goat, uh, you know, until next season comes around because, yeah, that's a, that's a ballsy, ballsy move. And, um, but I think Sirianni would have, I think Sirianni would have definitely gone for it. And I would have, I would have loved to have seen the Eagles have that minute or so. Cause I think, I think it would have been even crazier than, uh, you know, the rest of the game was played. It was, it was just, it was a great game. And, you know, it basically, like, like we said, it came down to the coaching, you know, the the chiefs were put in that position with the coaching in the second half. They, you know, bled the clock out because of the coaching, they were able to handle the the clock perfectly. And, you know, they got the call and uh, that's what it came down to. And, And like you said, the Eagles, they stop them one time in the second half. This is, you know, a completely different story that we're talking about. And if the Chiefs don't uh, have a perfect second half, this is a completely different story that we're talking yeah, about I, as well. I, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And it'd been interesting to see if that would have happened if he would have went for two. And if he if he went for two and missed it, how much criticism, how much it would affect his career. You know, I don't <laughs> think anybody would have faulted him for doing that right because that's just the guy he is that's how he plays the game right so yeah um okay well that's that's the super bowl i thought it was phenomenal game i really enjoyed it enjoyed my uh nachos that pit boss made but before we shut the season down let's look to next season a little bit right i took a look they put out the schedules for the uh, upcoming season oh yeah the number let, let's talk strength of schedule for the teams okay ranked number 1 is the eagles yeah but get, but the <laughs> second and third toughest schedules are the dolphins number 2 who finished like 500 and the giants so our <sighs> teams have the second and third hardest schedules going into next and i know a lot of things happen between now and september you got a lot of free agency Dot, dot, dot. You know, the Giants, they have, I think it's around 25 to 27 free agents. They have 46 million in cap room. Their two biggest free agents are Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, right? So you have the quarterback and the running back who are cornerstones of their team right now. Yeah. You know, personally, I would, I would, I would try to get, Jones signed and let Barkley go if it came down to that because you always go for the quarterback first. There's a lot of running backs out there. You could probably get cheaper for Saquon. Be interested to hear what you have to say about this, but let me read you something that I found about the Giants and their offseason. It says, this offseason for the Giants is simple. What will they do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley? Will the Giants use all their cap space to retain both? There's a rumor out there now that Jones wants like $40 million a year or something like that. It's a rumor, but I don't know if it's true. Well, they settle for one and not the other. The Giants also have to improve the offensive line while adding talent in the pass-catching department, which is something you've been saying all playoff season here. New yeah. York has a lot of work to do. So I'm not sure if you agree with that. What are your thoughts on your team next year? Strength of schedule, number three, 
two of the cornerstones are free agents. You're the GM. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's um, you know, my perspective is uh, it's definitely more interesting this year than you know the last five seasons for the Giants. Uh, this is the first time that you know I I feel like I have a little bit of trust in the coaching staff and with the front office as well. I think the GM did a lot, made a lot of good moves this season to get rid of a lot of that dead uh, cap weight. Um, tragically, well, I don't know how tragic it is, but Bradbury was one of those casualties. Um, yeah. But it was I even when he did it, I thought it was a great move because it was just a lot of money for you know someone that wasn't going to affect the defense that much um, you know by himself. And then uh, you know they traded Tony to the Chiefs, who had a huge role in that Super Bowl as well. But again, yeah. that was another move I was completely fine with because Tony has been injured a lot. He didn't really provide too much to the Giants, and I just don't think he got along with the coaching staff. There was a lot of rumors saying that he didn't even want to play in New York, so. I just don't think he was a good fit for the team and he was a draft pick from the previous uh, coaching staff. So, um, you know, the GM has made what I think are the best moves he can make for this organization last season. I have faith that he's going to do it this season. I am, uh, I'm really hoping Daniel Jones isn't asking for that $40 million contract because I don't, I don't think, um, one season, you know, as big of a turnaround as he has had, I don't think one season garners uh, a huge contract like that. And I, I was saying it from the beginning of the season, if, uh, you know, if Jones can turn it around and he has a solid season, which, you know, basically wasn't having the uh, 23 turnovers that he had previously, he could, um, you know, work his way into a long-term deal. And the other thing I was saying too, is that I don't think the giants have to break the bank for him. You know, he's not a Lamar Jackson. He's not a Mahomes, obviously. So he shouldn't get paid as much as them. I'm hoping he kind of gives them a little hometown discount, can stay with the team for a little bit, and allow them that that maneuverability to keep Saquon on the team. Um, but I don't want them to break the bank on both of them either because there's other parts of the team that need work. They need offensive line. I would love to see him get a linebacker. The wide receivers are just, you know, just not that great. Uh, Shepard's already been let go. Um, I did hear that they signed Hodgins, who I was really happy about because he was almost like a uh, walk-on pretty much. You know, Dayball grabbed him from the Bills practice squad and he turned into uh, almost a Victor Cruz type for the Giants, especially at the end of the season and into the playoffs. Um, so I think, I guess my official position on this is, you know, go out there, Giants uh, front office and do whatever you got to do. I have complete faith in you. Um, and I just I don't want them to break the bank on Saquon or Daniel Jones, but I really hope that they can stay because they are great. They seem to me to be great teammates, great leaders for that organization and great faces for the organization, too. You know, Daniel Jones seems like a good guy. He's kind of got that Eli mentality, which, you know, that makes easier transition going from Eli to this guy because it's basically the same person. And then Saquon, he just to me, he just seems like the perfect team player. He's always saying the right things. He's always doing the right things. And he had a solid year. If he could stay healthy, he'll he'll keep going forward. So, um, you know, being the third toughest schedule, yeah, I don't like hearing that. And uh, I'm actually kind of surprised. But they also had one of the easiest schedules this year. So I guess it balances itself out. And we'll see how they uh, handle next year's schedule. Well, there's some rumors that Miami is looking at Saquon. I don't want them to go after him. I love I love Mostert. He's a free agent this year. He averaged four seven four eight 
yeah. carry. I'm not sure why they're like overlooking this guy. He ran hard in the in in the Buffalo game. He ran hard in the Jet game at the end of the season. They just yeah. don't give him the ball enough, right? And, yeah, he's uh, a solid guy. Yeah, no, he really is. And again, I give you all the credit because I, you know, when we started playing Strat a few years ago when he was on the Niners, you're the one who said this guy's pretty good, right? I had never heard yeah. of him. So, you know, Miami's yeah. got their own problems. They're 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 16 million over the cap. They don't have a first Oof. round pick this year. Um, they got a guy in a quarterback in in Tua that just has, you know, I feel bad for him with all the concussions he had. So you got a you look at it from a fan perspective, you want him on the team, but then from a personal perspective, you feel bad. You want to make sure he doesn't get hurt because he's going to have some yeah. long-term effects from this. I've been saying this for years. This is the only thing I want Miami to do this year. I don't care about the skill position. I think they have enough talent there. Yeah, they're going to lose Gasicki, but they have another tight end that they featured more this year. I just want them to go into the draft and draft five guys that are 6'6", 350 can't string a sentence together and all they know what to do <laughs> is to hit the guy in front of you that's yeah. it because yeah. at the end of the day that's what football's all about it's the trenches right you control exactly. the line just like you mentioned the 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 eagles did not have one sack and look how much that helped yeah the chiefs they controlled the line of scrimmage they controlled the game they had a hundred and over 150 yards rushing and no sacks and they won the game right so to yeah. me all these fads come and go, right? We grew up, at least I grew up with the pro set. You had a full, where's the fullback? You never see the fullback anymore, right? At least Miami went to a couple of pro sets this year and they had the fullback every now and then in the backfield, but it's this yeah. RPO run pass option. And that's the fad now. Wildcat was a fad for, you know, maybe a year or two after Miami perfected that. You had the run and shoot, the K gun, all this stuff. At the end of the day, it all comes back to the trenches. So go out there protect Tua and everything else will be an offshoot and you'll be successful from there. Control the clock, protect him and you'll be good. So that's my yeah. two cents on what Miami's going to do. Nice. All right. So that sort of closes down the football season. Before we close down the episode, I wanted to talk to you about baseball. Okay. So we're shifting gears now. Let's go see our two teams, right? We have the the Yankees and the Orioles are reading some articles about them, just like we did the 13, the 13 categories. Let's go down to one category for each team, both of our teams. Right. Let's see the over-under. This is something that's pretty common when you go into the baseball seasons. Everybody talks. You know, I used to listen to Mad Dog all the time. Yeah. Over-under. Now they're going to win X games. They're going to win under that game. So let's start with your Yankees first, right? They did – Pick up Carlos Rodon this year. So it's going to be a really good one-two punch with him and Garrett Cole at the front end of that rotation. You have a, a just a monster year from one of my favorites. I mean, you know I can't stand the Yankees, but I love this guy. Aaron Judge, 62 homers, $360 million deal. Brilliant move on him, not doing the contract before the year. He comes off a 62 run, 62 home run year. Now they yeah. have to open up the bank for him. They're the number <laughs> two payroll in Major League Baseball, $268 million, okay? They're not the number one, though. Do you know who number one is? Um, I would guess the Dodgers, but I'm not too up on the uh, caps for these guys. So the Dodgers are fifth, but it is an NL team, and it's the New York Mets. Wow. The New York Mets have a $331 million payroll. $63 oh million more than the Yankees. Okay? Wow. 
So the Yankees won last year 99 games. The prior year in 2021, they won 92. Their over-under is 95 and a half games. What are you taking over-under? Mm, 95 and a half. I'm going over. I'm uh wow. I want them to hit that hundred mark, and they could have easily done it last year until they hit that brick wall at the end. And I think Judge's uh chasing of the record kind of you know influenced some of those games towards the end. So I'm going over for the Yankees. I'm saying they're gonna get uh I'm not only am I going over, but I'm gonna say they're gonna hit triple digits. Oh my god. You're you're really, yeah. <laughs> you're really going out on the edge there. You heard it first here, everybody. Coach Ruby's calling a 100-win season for the Yankees. Yes, let's I, do it. I, I, My personal feelings are you're completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me let me rephrase that. I hope you're wrong, right, as an <laughs> Orioles fan. So yeah. <laughs> I am going and going to root hard that they go under 95 and a half. I'm going to say they're going to take a step back here, even though they have Rodon and they have Garrett Cole at the front end of that rotation, which is just, you know, f- you know that's – Nasty starts of quality yeah. strikeout guys, right? But I just yeah. think Judge is going to have a bit of a regression this year. I don't personally like Boone as a manager, so I'm going to say under 95 and a half wins. Okay, so okay. let's look at my Orioles. They had a great year last year. They improved 31 games from 2021, where they won 52 games. They wound up winning 83 last year. Yeah. And everyone was going in, including myself, expecting a lot of off-season activity, and they did absolutely nothing. So part Not of that is because they're really a young team, and, and there's a lot of development still going on. They have a great GM in Elias, but um, they did trade for – they picked up Kyle Gibson as a star. They traded for Cole Irvin from the A's. They're over under. Now, keep in mind, they had 83 wins last year, 52 the year before, 31 game improvement, a lot of young talent, Adley Rutschman, Austin Hayes, all these guys. Over under, 76 and a half wins. So they're actually showing them zero acknowledgement, I guess because of their lack of free agency moves. Yeah. The odds are saying they're not going to do as good as they did last year, 76 and a half wins. Hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I know, I know some of those losses are going to come from the Yankees, but I'm saying over for the Orioles on that. Nice. I like to hear that. I'm going over. That's my, for baseball, it's going to be tough for black chip locks. I'm calling a black chip lock that the Orioles win more than 76 and a half. Wow. I heard it first. I know I have my Brewers (laughs) hat on only because I love this hat. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm still an Oriole fan. I bleed black and orange, and they'll go over 76 and a half wins. One other point, though, and this is one of the criticisms. I don't know how you feel about this when it comes mm-hmm. to baseball. Right? I just gave you the payrolls of the Mets and the Yankees, okay? I told you the Mets were number one at 331. The Yankees were at 268. It's a $63 million difference. That's more than the Orioles' payroll. The Orioles' payroll is $51 million. Oh, my goodness. $280 million less than the Mets. Wow. Part of it's the benefit of these young young rookies and the young one- or two-year guys they have. But that's just, to me, that's the problem with Bay. I know there's a luxury tax. The thing about the Orioles, too, is they they shouldn't be up in in the Yankees' 268 realm, right? But they have money. They can spend yeah. it. They don't. They just have a bad ownership family in the Angeloses. So, 
don't All know right. how you feel about that, but again, 331, 63 million more than the Yankees are number two. And that's more than the Orioles overall payroll at 51. And the Orioles payroll at 51 is still 10 million more than the Oakland A's at 41 million. Wow. Yeah, and you know I love my A's too, right? I started out as an A's fan back in the early seventies. Yeah, it's um, you know, obviously that's a huge discrepancy between uh, franchises in the same division, no less. Um, it, it amazes me with baseball, though, um, because if you watch these other sports, you know, let's take football for example. You know, every the salary cap kind of goes up by a percentage every year, and all these teams are trying to fit in everybody into that cap and. Right. I believe there are some penalties in the NFL as well if you go over. So there's not too much going over in the NFL. Owners don't want to pay it, all that stuff. Now, in baseball, you have the bigger franchises that are, you know, uh, more successful, like Yankees paying a luxury tax. They don't even care. You know, they'll just they'll keep signing anybody. They'll do whatever they have to do to, you know, sign and win. Um, but in baseball, as big of a Yankees fan as I am, the, the thing I like the most is when you see those teams with the really low, you know, uh, salary caps raise, yeah, just start winning and dominating. You know, there was a time there where the Yankees could not beat the Rays and the Rays had like a, a quarter of their salary. And it was, right. it, it's right. unreal, but it's also it makes it for me, um, you know, I'm not the biggest diehard baseball fan, but um it makes it very interesting for me just being the casual fan to tune into a game you know even the orioles i i turned on the orioles a couple times last year just because i heard that they were you know kind of winning here and there and you know overcoming some obstacles um you know so it makes it much more interesting for the fans i just i don't understand how you can have that big of a discrepancy and not only that too and i'm not sure how this works in baseball maybe you can shed some light on it if you know more about it but um you take a, a team like the Orioles, who to me, and I don't know if it's because the area I'm in or whatever, but I think Orioles are like one of the more classic franchises and classy franchises. You know, they're they're always like a solid team. You know, you don't really hear too many controversies coming out of there. And they have one of the best stadiums in the world to go to to watch games. They're all I modeled love. off of that stadium, right? The yeah. Camden Yards was the, was the trailblazer back in the early 90s. Yeah, and I, you know, being a Yankee fan, I've gone to a couple Oriole, uh, Yankee Oriole games in Camden, Camden Yards, and uh, you know, those were the best games to go to. I love going there, and anytime I get a chance to go out there, I do. But uh, you know, I just don't, I don't understand why Baltimore didn't sign anybody. You know, and you probably know more about it because you're more the diehard Baltimore fan. But it sounds like their ownership just doesn't like spending a lot of money. I think I they still believe they're in a rebuilding phase. There's two or three more years to go before they're going to contend. They got a lot of young talent on there. I mean, just a ton of young talent. They're rated as the best minor league group of talent in the majors. So they have oh, a nice. great farm system. Good. I, I just, you know, here's where it really hurts me, right? Because I just told you they're 10 million ahead of the of the A's. Yeah. They're five million behind the Pirates. I was gonna say I was gonna say the Pirates have to be down there too, because I always hear the Pirates have a really low uh spending. You know, look, you get the Mets and the Yankees, they have the SNY and they have the Yes Network. The Orioles have Masson, but I, I don't think it's gonna be anything like the revenue generation they get from for the other two teams. Yeah. So that hurts a lot. And the, the the luxury tax is supposed to pool the money back to and disperse it to those teams. 
that don't spend as much, but I don't know where the money goes if it's only 51 million. I mean, it's one thing to say, <laughs> you know, you got 30 players on a team and your, your payroll's 51 million. I mean, these guys are making, relatively speaking, nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. I will tell you one more quick story. I, I've been to Camden a few times. In 96, the Orioles were playing the Yankees in the playoffs. And I was working. Pit boss was actually pregnant at the time. So I get a call during the day from someone I work with that worked in our DC office. So Jeff, I got an extra, got an extra ticket. Do you want to come down to the playoff game? I'm like, Oh my God, this kid's going to be awesome. Right. I call <laughs> pit boss. She's like, yeah, you should go down. I'll be fine. Nice. Shoot down there. And I met him in the holiday Inn. That's right across from the, you could see it through from the home plate camera to the outfield. You see the holiday Inn out there. So I, he said, meet okay. me in the lobby there. So I'm sitting on the couch for about 10, 15 minutes and I get bored. I stand up and I go stand somewhere else. And all of a sudden the Sunday elevator opens and who comes walking out and sits exactly where I was, George Steinbrenner. Oh, right? wow. So I, I could have, I could have talked to big George. Cause I know big Stein likes his calzones, right? <laughs> but then the Orioles and the Messina's pitching, the Orioles are up, I don't know, like, Two one three one. I, I can't remember offhand. And Cecil Fielder's up at bat. Oh man! Late in the game, it's like the eighth inning. I think the Orioles were up two one. Man on. Yeah, it was a man on. Fielder's up. You know, you know the power that he had, right? Masita's mm-hmm. pitching a gem. All of a sudden, the Oriole fans start chanting "Fat Boy." Fat Boy, and I'm like, please don't say this. Please don't say this. Messina grooves this pitch that I think still flying out of Baltimore. Fielder just <laughs> tattoos. I love Fielder too. I, lo- I always like Cecil. Yeah, he, he just tattooed this ball. Game over. I go I have to drive four hours home. Oh uh, that's man, my, that's one of my. I still have the ticket stub, but yeah, that's a great stadium. And 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 I don't know how much we've been to Yankee Stadium together. I I, I don't like the newer Yankee Stadium. I like the old Yankee Stadium, and I like yeah. the Mets Stadium better than. Yankee Stadium, if I had the, the choice. And I know Pit Boss likes uh, the Mets Stadium as well. Nice. But Camden, supposedly, their lease is running out with Baltimore, the city of Baltimore, and they're renegotiating that. And they're talking about upgrading oh. the stadium. Oh, okay. They haven't signed the lease yet, um, but they're going to extend them down there and then um, do some upgrades to the stadium. But it's just a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Utah yeah. Street, everything around it's so cool. But yeah, that was my heartbreak for the Orioles. So we'll see what happens. We'll see oh, what happens man. here. But is, again, you're is, going uh, hundred. You're going hundred wins yeah. over ninety five and a half. I'm going under, and then I'm going black chip lock. You did the over, but I'm going black chip lock over seventy six and a half. I got a question for you now because uh, this is you know separate picks. Uh, is there any type of wager you want to do on this? Yeah, I'll do another. Uh, did you get one of the coffee cakes? Yes. Special K, Special K had to have one. Very good. It was very good. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, really I'll do good. that, or I'll do a you know platter of cookies from there. What do you think? Um, actually, I was going to say if you 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 could choose whatever you'd like, but I was looking at their website, and I believe it's called the uh, uh, I think it was like a raspberry rugula. Yep, very good. Yeah, I like that. All right, so <laughs> so we'll do winner's choice at Baker okay. Bobby's. Villa Italia Bakery. Very nice. Actually, let me think about this now. So <laughs> we're both doing – so 
we have you did the hundred wins. Is that considered a ch- uh, ch- uh, something? Like I'm I got just, the black chip. We're just gonna do the. We're just gonna do the over under. Let's just so leave it's really it at down that. to the Yankees. Then this is great because I get to root against them all season, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay, this <laughs> made it even better. I may even throw in uh, a Swilly Dell. Oh man, on a Swilly Dell if I win because it's the Yankees. So you gotta you gotta pepper it a little bit more for me, right? Nice. Okay. All right, so that was a lot of fun this season. Ruby, I, I got to tell you, that was a lot of fun. Um, so glad we did this. want to thank you for coming in every week. I know we, we're both really busy between our personal lives and everything that's going on. So I want to thank you. It's been great. We, we For everybody out there, we've been talking about next season. We're going to continue to do this next season. We're going to start and have a whole season. We'll see if we can get through it. Maybe a yeah. week or two that we miss, but we'll catch it up. We're gonna, nice. we're, we've been talking about doing maybe, you know, picking with points and rankings and we'll see we'll have a bigger bet bigger win at the end a bigger prize at the end there but thank you it was great having the wives take part this year thanks to lamb thanks to baker bobby and and bob the barber so nice just wanted to thank you thank everybody out there appreciate it make sure that you hit that like button make sure you subscribe there's going to be more stuff coming in the off season play ball thanks again coach no problem thank you Take care, everybody.